0: I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're watching online, Mom, I want to say hello. I also would like us to do this. We are also connecting with Freedom Center Church in Michigan, which is over 2,000 miles away, and um, we just want to say to you, we're so I'm so grateful we get to be in your house and be with you today, and so um, I just want to say to Carl Jones, if you're listening to this right now, that you are the second OG of the house. I was the first black man there, so I just want to make sure that's clear. Everybody knows. <laughs> wow. Well, it's true. So anyways, one day you guys get to meet Carl Jones, and I love that guy's from Philly. And um, I remind him whenever I see him that I was the first OG. So how about we stand together? Something that we've been doing in this house, and I want to invite you to do with me. We're just going to honor the Word of God, simply stating that we want your truths to set us free. And that's why we stand today. So let me read out of two passages here, Colossians 1:10, It says this. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Everybody say, I do. do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. Some of you guys want to mature in the richness of who he is and of who you are, right? Colossians 3.23, last text. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Let me pray for you guys today. Holy Spirit, we just, we want your truth. And we ask that it would penetrate deep within who we are so it translates into our behavior, into our conduct. God, we want you to rearrange our belief system. So we purpose to apply your word. May we not just be hearers today, but may we be doers. Yeah, we want the doing anointing on our life, God. The doing, the application today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me to honor God's word. Um, The reason why I use these scriptures today to kind of continue to launch our, our, our topic and our talk today is because I want us to purpose in our hearts to do relationships well. I want us to not just kind of give it half-heartedness. I want us to be people. I want to be a person who does well, who gives my best, that, that stewards my life, that I'm intentional about it, that I'm not just giving the minimum in what I'm doing, but no, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm choosing to walk in his truths before him. And quick recap, if you give those people who are more passionate, positive and faith-filled people to influence your heart, you will become more positive and faith-filled and passionate people, right? But if you don't, those people will eventually offend you. Maybe you guys know this is true, that bold passion, that bold beliefs, that bold people often offend the mediocre and the average, like, I'm talking to you in my own heart. There's areas in my life that are average and mediocre, and when somebody else lives with courage, it offends who I am, and I go, man, I need to be like them, right? If, on the other hand, you, you give influence to people who are negative, critical, who've got a 2 problem, you're going to get sucked into this life where you have a critical spirit, where you have a negative approach to life, where you have etude as well. And to just kind of encapsulate two weeks ago what we were talking about, um, and for those of you that are in Michigan last week, if you show me the people who have influence in your life, it will reveal the character you are building today. Show me the people who have influence in your life, it will reveal the character you are building today. Yes, Wyatt, I'm talking to you, buddy. He's my nephew. He's calling out my name. I can hear it. Andy Stanley says it best, right? He says, and it was on the marquee the last few weeks your friends will always determine the quality and direction of your life. How many you guys know that's true? They will always determine the quality and the direction of your belief system, of how you do life. And I want to remind you today that the kingdom of God advances through relationships, that the kingdom of God advances through relationships, and the kingdom of God in you advances because of the people you surround yourself with. Did you know that humanity will give you an excuse and an opportunity to practice kingdom realities? You can't help it. People are going to test you. People are going to try you. It's the nature of humanity, and it gives us the opportunity to see the kingdom of God advance through the people around us. Um, I love what I see in our house and, honestly, throughout uh, just our culture, how we're starting to prize and, and recognize that we as a people need to be more connected in a disconnected world, that social media and doing relationships through a platform, through a digital platform, is incomplete. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying it's incomplete. We're recognizing more and more as you see people struggling in relationships that we are more disconnected and we need to value what it means to be connected. And so I applaud that our culture is recognizing the need for connection. But I want to say this. This is so important. One thing I hope you'll, you'll, you'll think through when pursuing relationships is that not every person is that not every person is the right person for you to be in relationship with. Not every person is the right person for you to be in an influential relationship with. Not every person, you are not supposed to give the keys of your heart to every person that you encounter not every person. You guys hear me today? And I know this is kind of like, I feel like it's heavy, but I hope it's not too heavy. But most of us are unaware that when we're best friending complainers, critical people, people who have a victim mindset, they're actually infecting our expectations and derailing us from kingdom living, from kingdom truths. God is wanting to empower you so that you influence, not be influenced by those things. And today I want to talk about friendships and healthy relationships. And and here's a thought. Here's the big thought today. Here's the question that is leading us today, that's been leading us all morning. What if you were one relationship away from changing the direction of your life? What if you were one relationship away from changing the direction of your life? And this is going to be our big thought today. hope Jesus is calling. Right, so I assume it's Jesus. Or it's an alarm that you need to tell Jesus you love him. But um, talking with people throughout the weeks, uh, the, the past week, and trying to list those five friends. How many of you guys remember when we were talking about listing five friends? List five of your closest friends. It couldn't be your kids. It couldn't be your spouse. It couldn't be family. They had to be people outside of those circles that you've given permission to influence your heart. And how many of you guys could only list like one or two? Right? Oh. How many guys can list five to seven? That's great. Man, you guys are doing better than first service. <laughs> Not so much second service, but first service, you guys are crushing it. Yeah, the reality is, is how many guys wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? Because nobody, a lot of people didn't lift their hands. Here's the truth of the matter is that we all need friends. And we all need relationships. And we all need people who can speak to the, the, the deepest parts of who we are. And today I want to talk about that because there's a, there's a deep need, like I was saying, there's a deep need, and it's not something, because we've kept, we've done this, we, we keep filling it up with something, it's not something, it's someone. It's not something is missing, it's someone is miss, missing that will push us into a place of health, that will push us into a place of life, and we're impoverished relationally as a nation and as a people, and that's why we see a lot of different things that are just falling apart in family because we haven't yet grasped this truth of of what it means to do healthy relationships well before each other. And I wanna say this, that you and I are one relationship away from changing the direction of our life. I believe this because I've seen it in my own life, and I want us to take a moment real fast. Like, I mean, do an evaluation. I'm not saying live with regret and think about your regrets and your past mistakes. No, just for a moment, as we look forward, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, I wanna ask these questions What do you want to accomplish in the next year of your life? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? Where are you headed four years from now? Adam, I can't even see three months from now. And I get that, but you need vision. And I'm just asking these questions. What do you want to accomplish? Where are you headed in life? Are you growing in your faith and in your relationship with God? Or do you grow with him when you need him in crisis mode? Are you growing in relationship in your faith with God? Are you leading other people to to love God and to seek out Christ in his ways? Are you a person that's leading others to grow in their faith? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? And I want to share a story with you about how one relationship can shape and change the direction of someone else's life, which affects millions. Now, today, like Matthew was saying, is our seven-year anniversary of just being here, preaching from the platform, being in Idaho, moving here, being a part of this family. My dad, today's my dad's birthday if he was still alive. He'd be 80 years old. I had an older dad, and, and every uh, Valentine's Day, he actually passed away on Valentine's Day when I was 16. And every Valentine's Day, I, I just tribute my dad. Like, it's, uh, he was a man of love. Like, my dad... Could beat up your dad any day. He was awesome. He was a man of love. And how appropriate for him to pass on the day of love. Um, And our family is forever affected by his life. One man can make a difference. And today, I want to come to the Bible and show you how one man can shape the history of so many people. One relationship. You and I, what if we were one relationship away of stepping into love? One relationship away of stepping into hope into faith, into truth, into our destiny. And so the scene begins in Acts chapter 9, 26 through 28. Just these three scriptures that I want to read to you guys and unpack. And it says this, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He tried to be a part of a church. He tried to join a group, a family group. But they were all afraid of Saul, not believing that he was really a disciple. Context, let me give you some source, uh, a story about Saul, who changes his name to Paul. How many of you guys have heard of the Apostle Paul? Well, his name was Saul at first, and he was considered, like today's ISIS, a terrorist of Christianity. Christianity was an illegal religion, and so he would go around in the name of God, not Jesus, in the name of his faith, and have Christians murdered. He, he actually has over a thousand people murdered. He's had over a thousand people murdered for, for, for his belief, for his namesake, and had these people, families pulled out of their homes and separated from their families. So this guy's like a, a modern day terrorist. And so when Saul walks into the church, you can see why people feel a little uncomfortable. They don't know the rest of the story of Saul changing his name to Paul. They see Saul, the persecutor, the guy that's had people torn from our families. And we're Christians, and he's coming here. It'd be like Osama bin Laden coming through the back doors with other people around him. And I know he's gone, but him coming through and all of us going up. Uh, why is he here? Security. You know what I mean? Like what's happening right now? That's what's happening. They're afraid. They're like, what is he doing here? We know this guy. And this is what I love because I'm I'm trying to bring you into the story. These are real people with, with real issues in relational issues. And he walks in, they're afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And I love verse 27, but Barnabas, everybody say Barnabas. Now with a name like Barnabas, you know, it's got to be good right? I mean, if you're going to name your kid Barnabas. But here's the thing. Did you guys know that his real name isn't Barnabas? His, his given name by birth was Joseph. And he's given the name Barnabas in Acts 4.36 because of the lifestyle that he lived. Barnabas simply means the son of encouragement, a man who walks in grace. And so the early church, they saw this guy Joseph, and they gave him a new name because of the way he lived. I mean, that's a whole nother story. But what nickname would you be given, church, if people could see the way you lived? The people that know who you really are, because they knew who Barnabas really was. He was one of the 72 that Jesus had sent out in the book of Luke. This guy walked with Jesus. So here comes Barnabas. I love verse 27. Barnabas, it says, but Barnabas... (laughs) <laughs> took him, took Saul, and brought him to the apostles. I mean, he brought him to the big cheeses, right? And, and the, the Passion Translation reads, Barnabas came to his defense and brought him before the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. I love this because Barnabas is starting to speak up for Saul. Um, let me tell you something. Saul's trying to explain everything, but Barnabas is like, it's going to actually have more weight and more clout and more power if I tell everybody that I vouch for your character. And so Barnabas starts speaking highly of Saul, and he says, this guy in Damascus, after his transformation with Jesus, he started to speak in the name of Jesus, the very name that he defamed. He started speaking from the place of the name of Jesus, and many were giving their lives to the Lord it says in verse 28, and I love this because Barnabas is the man. It says, so Saul stayed because of what Barnabas had shared. Saul stays with the apostles in the church, with them, moved about freely in Jerusalem. They didn't, they didn't, now, you know, some of them, it, took, it takes time. You know, you're probably like doing the Pentecostal peek on Paul, you know, just like making sure he doesn't do anything like weird. I'm not looking at you. No, I'm not looking at you. Yeah, I am. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, they're making sure. But he's allowed to move freely. He's allowed to speak boldly in the name of the Lord. He's allowed to be himself. He's accepted into community. And it changed the history of millions of people. And guess what? All of us are one of them. Here's what's crazy. It's all because of Barnabas. Because of one man. Because of one relationship. Barnabas isn't known as a guy in the Bible that, I mean, he's not like, people don't talk a lot about Barnabas. This is like one of the other, uh, there's only a few other times they talk about this guy, Barnabas, in the scriptures, and and he didn't write any books of the Bible. But without Barnabas, church, you got to get this, without Barnabas, 14 books of the Bible would not exist. If Paul didn't have Barnabas vouching for him. God used one person to change the direction of another person's life, and history was changed forever. The kingdom of God advances through relationships. The truths of God, the pure, unmatched love of God moves through relationships, church. The kingdom of God advances through relationships. What if you were one relationship away from changing the direction of your life? One relationship away. So let's get practical. There's three types of relationships every person needs. Everyone in this house, whether you're married, single, divorced, um, single, again, you know what I mean? Whatever that it is. It, it, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. You're having an issue with your boss. You're having an issue with a coworker. Three types of relationships every person needs. And I want to talk about uh, David, King David, in the Old Testament and bring out these truths from this man's life. Um, there's a lot of relational lessons we can learn from David. David, you guys have probably heard of him. He's the guy that slayed the giant, right? He was the shepherd boy who was missed. He almost missed out an opportunity to be anointed to be king. He wasn't thought of as a king, but he gets anointed to be king. One day he goes out to the Philistine. He slays the giant, cuts his head off, PG-13. And then he he, he starts becoming pretty popular in, this, in, in Jerusalem and with the Israelites. And suddenly he's slaying. He's a warrior. He's a musician, right? This guy becomes king one day. But here's the thing that I love about David. Not only did he do some pretty incredible things, but he wasn't perfect. And this guy messed up big time, multiple times. And what's awesome about this is that even in his, his low valley moments and mountaintop experience experiences, David was always in hot pursuit of the father. He's the only man in scripture known as the man after God's own heart. And this guy did some pretty terrible things. And so I wanna, I wanna kinda pull out, like I said, some lessons from this guy. And so Samuel, the prophet of the Lord in 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, we're not gonna read through that, but give you context, shows up at uh, Jesse's house, which is the father of David. Now David's out, D- Jesse gets all of his sons to come in. Remember, David is out still doing servant things. He's shepherding dirty stinky animals. <laughs> and and he- Jesse brings in his sons, and Samuel goes through and thinks that this guy must be him, and this guy must be him, and oh, that guy must be the king, and the Holy Spirit kept telling Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, nope, that's not him, nope, that's not him. I know he looks like a king, but that's not him. Israel wanted a king. They got Saul. He looked like a king, but he didn't carry the heart of a king. No, nope, we don't want that. And so Samuel's looking at all these things, and then he realizes, after going through all of his sons, he's like, dude, Jesse, you're missing one. Where, where is your other son? Now, Jesse, because he didn't bring David in, had to go get him because David was an illegitimate child. So now David's got the narrative of daddy issues. His own dad didn't recognize him as a son, church. And so he comes into the house. And this is where it takes place in 1 Samuel 16. And I want to read this to you. Oh, and you need to know this. Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, is getting a lesson in seeing past the obvious physical features to see the heart that God is looking for. And he says this, or it happens, the story happens like this. So he he sent for him and David comes in, he's ready. He's got beautiful eyes. Daniel, you have beautiful eyes. He's got beautiful eyes. He's handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the oil. He anointed David in the midst of his brothers and his father. And the spirit of God came mightily upon David from that day forward. Why do I tell you this? Because nobody in David's family would have ever thought that David would be king. But God put it in one man's heart to say to a young boy, an illegitimate child, there's something more for you. I've chosen you, you're destined for greatness. Number one, if you're taking notes, practicality. You got to get this. Number one, if we want to see, we want to be people that, that find healthy relationships and be healthy relationships to other others. We can learn from Samuel. You have to have a person or a relationship or a friend who calls out the gold in you, who calls out the gold. Do you have relationships that make you better at the things that matter most? Do you have relationships that push you into generosity, that push you into your... The, the, into doing a healthy marriage that pushes you to be a better business owner, a better employee, a better employer, spiritually, financially? Do you have relationships that make you better at the things that matter most, church? The the people that call the gold out of you, they see it, and then they call it out. They're gold diggers, man. (laughs) They they just call it out of you. Man, we want to resurrect that term and make it actually a biblical term because it's a good thing. Did you guys know that you're all miners? Not like miners like... Kids, I mean, like miners, like you were created to dig the gold out of people and call it forth. Do you have relationships that make you better at the things that matter most? Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Translated, so a friend strengthens his judgment. Translated, so a friend excites him to virtuous and useful actions and makes him in all respects a better man, a better woman. The Passion Translation reads, it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character of another. Do you have people who see the gold in you and they call it out? Number two, if you're taking notes, we can learn from the life of this, this young man named Jonathan, who was David's best friend. Number two, a friend who helps you find strength to move forward. So David's anointed king, right? And I kind of pictured the scene from Aladdin. How many of you guys have seen the new Aladdin movie? Not as good as the cartoon, but... I thought Will Smith did a great job, not trying to be like Robin Williams, which I can appreciate. But I always picture the scene where the ladies are on on the balcony. Remember when they see Aladdin or Prince Ali? Oh, Prince Ali! You know how they're doing the whole thing? Well, I kind of picture this moment. This is kind of what's happening. David has become a warrior in the face of the Israelites. They started singing songs like, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has ten thousand. You know what I mean? That's how I picture these ladies. that say, Ten thousands. Like, it's 10 times the amount that Saul has done. And so suddenly, Saul gets angry. Saul gets jealous. David didn't have a dad figure in his life, so now he's finding it in Saul, the king. He's welcomed into the courts of the king. He would lead worship in the courts of the king. He was an incredible musician. And one day, because he heard those things, he got jealous. Imagine if Saul wouldn't have tried to kill David. Imagine if Saul would have been somebody different in the sense that he would have left a legacy of, I'm going to celebrate a brother. I'm going to celebrate a son instead of trying to take things away from him because I'm insecure of the position that I have. And so Saul is insecure and he responds poorly. And I think God is trying to teach us something in this. And you need to hear this. Don't look for a friend just like you. When you're seeking out healthy relationships, don't look for a friend just like you, man. God is doing something different and new in other people that aren't like you. And Saul should have got this. Because like attracts like. I get it. But man, sometimes God is doing something that you need to hear in somebody else's life that offends something inside of you. True, Adam. Thank you, Adam. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I'm talking to you. So here's what happens. He, he, gets, he gets jealous he gets hatred in his heart. He throws a javelin to, at David's head, and David gets the clue. I'm not welcome in the palace anymore, and he runs. So he's by himself, and it says in 1 Samuel 23:15. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Zeph at Horish. You guys need to hear this, man. Even those who were close to God got discouraged. Everybody in the Bible messed up and got discouraged, man. And David's discouraged, and it says, in Jonathan, which, who's, who is Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish. That was 19 miles away from where Jonathan was on foot to encourage David to strengthen him in God. I don't know about you, but I ain't leaving my house in Caldwell. If I live in Caldwell and walking up to the foothills of of. Boise, Jerusalem, to encourage a guy staying in a cave. Come on. We're like, we'll text him, but I ain't walking. You know what I'm saying? This this shows the sign of a healthy relationship and of a true friend. This guy goes to David, and what does he do? He strengthens him in God. Church, when you're down, you don't need something. You need someone. And in our culture today, we filled that void with something and it becomes an addiction. becomes a broken, bad habit. You don't need something. You need someone. Something isn't missing. Someone is missing. When you're alone, you you need someone who comforts you, not something. When you're broken, you need someone who helps you, not something. When you're lost, you need someone who's seeking after you, who's chasing you down to encourage you with scripture, to push you, to pray for you. During a season of a major transition in our lives as a church, when the church was smaller and and we were transitioning through staff. And, and I remember some hardships and some things. And I had some friends that I could lean in. Friends that I felt like I could share everything with. Because for a moment, I didn't feel like anybody understood. And everybody was hearing one story. And I didn't have the option to share my story. And I remember pressing in. Pastor Jim's one of those friends. I remember Kevin Schneider, who's here today. He's one of those friends. And, and Jason McKay. He was one of those friends. And I remember what he had said when I called him up as I was driving home, leaving the parking lot of Awaken Church and I was discouraged, I was bummed out, I did not wanna do this anymore, I'm not a good leader, I'm believing all of these lies, I'm a screw up, I mean, everything you could think of, I didn't handle this well, blah, blah, and I I called him up, and I I wrote this down, and I wanna get it right. He said this to me, he says, Adam, you're making a huge difference. I was calling to tell him, to tell him so he could make everything go. How many guys like call people because you want it all to go away? But you still got to face it. You know what I mean? Like you still got to deal with it, but you need courage to deal with it. And so I called him up and he said, let me remind you of how you've impacted me, which has impacted my family, which has impacted my ministry and those around me. And he starts late, just shooting things off. He was a guy that probably a lot of people wouldn't have invited to be a part of ministry. And we invited him to be youth leaders when we were youth pastors years ago. And then transformation in his family. um, I literally, we told him, I said, I'm done being the youth pastor. You're supposed to be the youth pastor. Here's the keys. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I hope I still have a job, but you're supposed to do this. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is a guy that knows I believe in him, and he called, or I called him up, and this is what he said. He said, let me remind you, and this is what the Lord says to you, Adam, and he said this. He is with you. He will never leave you. He has chosen you. You are the right man for this job. Remember who you are, and then he said, you remember what you told me about Steve Jobs? Because Steve Jobs, I, I, I've I, read his autobiography. I actually, I see him as someone who's accomplished much. I'm not saying that he lived an incredible, perfect life, but I, I, honor the fact that he accomplished so much that he reshaped culture. And he says, you remember what you've told me about Steve Jobs? And I said, what? And he said, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, go sell ice cream. Yeah, well, I guess I did tell you that. It's good. I need to be reminded of that. And he said, Adam, lead because you're a good leader. Do you have people who strengthen you to move forward in love, in faith, in hope, in kingdom realities? Do you have people who who are willing to walk 19 miles to encourage you in the things of God, church, and family, right? In making the right decision. Lastly, if you're taking notes notes today, um, number three, a friend who is a truth teller. Again, David pressed into the word of God, and so God, during those times, would use prophets of old to speak to um, men in positions and women in in certain places, and and David really leaned into truth tellers. He leaned into prophets, and so 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7, let me give you some context, and then I'm going to read three scriptures to you guys, and it's the last three scriptures I want to read as we land the plane. So David, he's king now. He's been king. Things are really good. He's a warrior. He's a conqueror. It seems like everything that David was touching was turning to gold. Do you guys know people like that? Like, this guy could do anything, right? Um, he walks out on his porch. And I picture this because that's what kings do. They walk out on their balcony, and I, I assume that's why he was walking out there. And he walks out on his, his portico, and he looks out, and there's a woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath on top of a roof. And imagine, I love taking stories of, of the scripture, and imagine if you would have made a different decision in that moment. Because Some of you guys know the story, but imagine if he would have said, I'm committed to one woman, and he closed the door and went back inside. Maybe, because David wasn't allowed to build the temple of God because of the blood on his hands, the decisions that he had made, but God intended David to build the temple. And so that was taken from him, this promise where he got, he didn't get to do, maybe if he would have made a simple decision, but instead he keeps staring and he keeps looking and he started to lust in his heart. So much so, the thoughts turned to actions that he had her husband, because he's like, I'm going to take that person. I'm going to take that woman. She's going to be my bride, but I have to do it the right way. So I'm going to have her husband. I'm going to put him in the front lines of a war that I'm going to start. And, and I'm going to hope that he dies. And wouldn't you know, Uriah dies. Frontline fighting for his king. And then David takes his wife. So suddenly Nathan, prophet of the Lord, comes to David. And this is, I'm giving you context. That happened. The prophet of the Lord comes to David and tells him a story. And he says this, king, let me share a story with you. There's this man who, who had everything he could ever want. Cattle, sheep, lamb. I mean, he had every animal you could think he was well-to-do. And then there was this servant of his, a poor man, who actually just had one lamb, one sheep. And this poor man loved this sheep so much that this sheep would eat with him at the, at the table. And he even named this one lamb, and it became his friend. Well, a, a, a visitor, of, of, of an upper-class visitor was coming from out of town, and the rich guy, instead of taking what he had to sacrifice or kill to cook and eat for this guy, he goes to the servant, he takes his lamb, and he murders the lamb and feeds it to this guy from out of town. What would you say about that, David? And this is where we are in the story, last three scriptures. Then David's anger... <sighs> It burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. And check this out, verse seven. And Nathan then said to David, you are this man. Now, can you imagine David's heart sinking into his gut? Like I've been found out. I screwed up. And this is why I love David because David had the right response because of people in his life, because of pressing into the word. He he allowed that truth to shape him, to rock him. David takes this heavy news and he gets on his knees and you can read the rest and he repents and he partners with his destiny and God's purposes. But you gotta get this church. I said it two weeks ago, you gotta get it today. Don't surround yourself with those who validate your feelings. I know it feels good. I know that you're, you're hurting and you need people to, to make you feel good, but sometimes feeling good isn't the right answer. Healthy relationships validate your purpose. Healthy relationships validate your purpose, church. Healthy relationships validate who you're called to be. Truth tellers, truth tellers. People that put us back on the rail system to the glories of God. You need people in your life. I need people in my life to tell me to forgive when I don't feel like it. I need people in my life to tell me to have hope when I've allowed disappointment to lead my faith. I need people in my life that will encourage me to trust again when I've experienced betrayal after betrayal. I need people in my life to tell me the truth that I was created for love. I was created to trust. I was created to hope. And when I'm not hoping, when I'm not trusting, when I'm not forgiving, I'm not walking in the kingdom realities that I'm called to. I'm not living up to the highest rank that God has invited me to live. Healthy relationships validate your purpose, not your feelings. And the crazy thing about feelings and I get it, I know, I, I have feelings. It feels very true. And Jesus invites us to be people who lead our feelings, people who, who walk in wholeness and healing. It says in the scripture that it's his truth, John eight thirty two. it's his truth that sets us free. Healing and, 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 and wholeness and freedom comes when you allow truth to be received in your heart. And here's the truth. We all have blind spots. I have blind spots we may not even know about. I have blind spots I don't know about until I start doing relationships with others. And then they have the courage enough to tell me, hey, you know when you say this? <laughs> Do you know what you're doing? Do you know how you're hurting those around you? And it's important that we get help from others to see clearly how we can grow in our purpose before the Lord. And today, I don't know where you are, but I know a lot of us, if we need to, we need to take a step back and we need to be really honest about ourselves, not the people around us, about ourselves and how we do relationships. And you know that something is missing. You know that something is broken. You know, you can sense it. And I'm here to tell you it's not something, maybe it's someone. Maybe you don't need the something, you need the someone to lead you in the truths that God wants to see you. And maybe for you, you, you look at your life and you would say, I don't have anyone calling the gold out of me, making me better at the things that matter most. Maybe you look at your life and you reevaluate who you are, and you could say this, I've got some people that call themselves Christians in my life, but no one who helps me find spiritual strength and pushes me towards Jesus. They always push me towards another direction. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, some of us, some of you, you might be saying, I can't remember the last time someone told me an important truth, a hard truth that changed the direction of my life. Because to be quite honest, I don't want to hear the truth. It triggers something in me, and you're here today. Healthy relationships validate your purpose. What if you were one relationship away from changing the direction of your life, from changing the direction of your marriage, overcoming an addiction, becoming a stronger leader, leaving depression in the grave where it belongs, getting in better shape, changing the direction of your family. What if you were one relationship away and what was holding you back was fear of trusting again? What was holding you back was fear of sitting under a leader or a pastor or an authority figure? What if you were one relationship away from changing the direction of your life, if you're here today and you would say that I'm, I, I need that someone, like I, I need a group of people. I, I recognize that I'm missing these elements to doing relationships well and having healthy relationships in my life. And if this is you today, I want to do something. Um, I want to do something bold and first and second service there were some bold people courageous people i'm not going to ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes but you recognize you don't have gold diggers in your life and i mean that in the positive sense you don't have people calling gold out of you you don't have people telling you the truth validating your purpose you have people validating your feelings you don't have people strengthening you in the things that are true which is the kingdom of god would you be so bold to stand with me as a declaration that I need this in my life. Come on, right now. You, you sense it in your heart. You need to stand. Holy Spirit is inviting you to stand. You're not letting fear win. You're not letting your feelings win. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going to be courageous because I need an encounter with a courageous God. And I want to pray over you because everybody that has stood, you are so bold, so courageous. And I do believe God is going to meet you in these places. So let me pray for you. And I want to pray for this whole house. If you would just bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts with deep truths of your word. God, reveal in us divine desire, God, for deeper communities, deeper relationships healthy communities, healthy relationships, that we could truly be your body, God, so full of love that the rest of the world, our children and our children's children.